Welcome to Authentic Voice, the podcast for music and its contexts. Hi, I'm Gerard Yun again. This is the Authentic Voice podcast, where we explore personal and cultural musical identities by putting you in touch with practitioners from communities down the block and across the globe. And we have a very special guest today, a person who runs, a good friend, who runs a community music school, a school designed for uh, marginalized, underprivileged um, kids at this point. And this is the community music school of the Waterloo region, um, our local uh, community music school. And with me today is Caroline Hissa, who has a master's degree in community music. Um, isn't that amazing? Because there's so few people in the entire world who have a master's degree in community music. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Is it Caroline or Caroline? Caroline. Caroline. I'm going to go back. Caroline. It's Caroline? Yeah, no, okay, right. great. I can, I can edit that out. Blah, blah. Edit here. Click. Okay. Um, so Caroline, welcome. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. We are um, recording this on a wintry February morning and it's snowing beautifully outside and we have um, pet squirrels in the corner of the studio. So we're cozy in here and downstairs, of course, are lessons going on right now. And could you tell me a little bit about who's, who's down there taking lessons? Who's down there making music in the floors below us? Sure. Um, we have a whole bunch of different age children who take lessons with us. Um, the kids in our program range from the age of five to the end of high school, so 17, 18, 19. Um, we offer a number of different instruments. So we teach piano, guitar, violin, bass guitar, and voice. Uh, and all of our teachers for those students are volunteers from the community. So many of them are Laurier or UW students. Uh, some are professional music teachers in the community or retired teachers. And uh, they work with our students every week. Um, Do they love it? Oh my goodness, they love it. You have to love it to come every single week for eight months on a Saturday morning. <laughs> Saturday mornings, yeah. Even in the, in the dead of winter, I mean, roads are terrible today, but here they all are. Yeah. I'm working away downstairs while their director gets to have a fun interview. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you? I mean, I know that you were, um, gosh, you were employed at the School of Social Work for a while, but I wonder how you came to this. Uh, you have a real passion for kids mm -hmm. and for uh, music. And I'm just wondering how a uh, little bit of how you ended up here. Yeah. Like, are you from here? Did you... Well, I did my undergrad at Laurier back in the day, and I double majored in music and political science. So I was really interested in the music piece, but I didn't want to be a professional musician per se. Or a professional in... political scientist. Yeah. yeah. But I really liked the social justice and development politics side of poli-sci. Wow. So I was really interested in social issues and... Um, more wanting to be engaged in the community than being engaged in an orchestra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So several years after I graduated, the music school was starting and I started off with it as a volunteer and I just became a piano teacher. I'd worked with kids for a really long time and really loved working with them. And I was really excited about an opportunity where we got to make music together and teach and bring music to kids who normally wouldn't get to play or learn an instrument. So all, wait a minute, all these kids then um, are... Well, they're underprivileged kids or people who are, what do we say, marginalized and otherwise without uh, the help of the community music school just wouldn't be able to have music lessons. Yeah. And are they, uh, do they just show up on the doorstep? Or? 
They're referred to our program by one of many social service agencies in the community. So we work with a lot of community centers and counseling centers and school boards, and they often identify students they think would be a good fit for our program, uh, send them over, and then we try to get them enrolled and registered. So is mental health a big deal with their practicing of music and the, there's those issues? And then also, is it people that are new to Canada, let's say, or mm -hmm. what do we it, have? It really varies. So um, mental health is a piece of it for sure. We have a number of kids in our program who are struggling with a lot of different issues in their lives. And music is a place where they can relax and do something for themselves and feel very comfortable and confident and encouraged. And uh, it's just a really wonderful therapeutic activity for them. Uh, we have a lot of families who are new to Canada um, in our program as well, and the music school gives them a chance to be connected and to plug in and get to know other people, uh, sometimes from very similar cultures to them, which is nice, and also um, from cultures all over the world. Uh, we have other kids in our program who just come from low-income families and can't access music lessons, so this is a place for them to plug in and... Um, and then we have a number of high school students who really want to pursue music, but just with the demands of their course loads and whatnot in school, they don't have time to take band classes and things like that. So this wow. is a place for them to pursue that passion. Great, great. What makes you passionate about doing the community music school? What fires you up about this? Mm -hmm. I think it's the access piece. I really, really believe that everybody should get the chance to make music. And I, I know it sounds wow. really cliche, but... Does it? Does it? Well, music is expensive now, like owning an instrument and paying for lessons. And yeah. what, what is really, I mean, you've done some statistics on it, some research on it. What's, what does it really cost in a typical, for a typical kid to take music lessons and have an instrument and all that? What's it really cost? Well, on the low end, you're looking at $20 a week for a lesson times 10 months times four weeks in a month plus the cost of an instrument. And I mean, even a basic piano, for example, would cost you probably $1,000. Yeah, at least $1,200 for super basic. Yeah, plus your music books that you would need. And often you need three, four, five, depending on the level that you're at. And it's just out of reach for a lot of families. So it's, it's a few extra thousand dollars a year when all is said and done. If you're yeah. looking at little violins, then that have to be upgraded. Yeah, then it just goes up and up and up. And the more advanced you get, the more expensive it gets, the teachers get more expensive, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's so the Community Music School of Waterloo, this is a, a school we really need, and that mm -hmm. that keeps you passionate about it. How um do you see um or what do you see in the future for your lovely school. I mean, right now we're at, we are at a very manageable level, I know, mm -hmm. and it's um, Saturday mornings and it's all working great. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, it's all working great, but do you see it getting huge or other programs or really interesting things? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what do you see? What's your vision? We'd like to see our Saturday morning program grow and expand, um, potentially into weekdays. We'd like to have more kids in lessons. Um, a lot of that just depends on being able to find proper space um, that is conducive to that sort of program. Um, we'd also like to build more community-based ensembles and do a little bit more where the kids are getting to play music together. Um, we'd love to grow into some summer programs. Um, we'd like to work with uh, some organizations that work with kids and families who have disabilities and um, expand into the lab a bit more because that's wow. often an underserviced area or a place where there aren't a lot of opportunities um, for kids to access 
programming that is appropriate for what they can handle. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a mix of we'd like to have every kid in the city in music lessons. Right. That would be my ultimate goal. Oh, cool. <laughs> but cool. Um, we want to do what we do well also. So. Right. It's, and it is about kids for you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And so it's not really about intergenerational mixing or anything, but it's given those opportunity to the kids to have access yeah. to something they wouldn't have access to. I think overall that would be, I really do enjoy bringing their families into things. It's nice to do extra events and um, workshops and things where their families can come and join because then they get to make music together. And Mm. often the parents are as passionate about the music lessons that their kids are taking as the kids are, or maybe more so. So it's good to get them involved in doing things together. And we work with a lot of cultures where the families are more tight-knit than they are in our Western Canadian culture, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, the families really care about each other and really do love doing stuff together. So it's nice to also build those opportunities into the program. Wow, great. Do you have any good advice for, I don't know, 17, 18-year-old, 20-year-old musicians who might be listening to this podcast and are thinking, wow, hey, maybe I want to work with kids. Um, maybe I'd like to start a community music school. Or maybe I'd like to work with this one. Um kind of advice could you give them that involves and stuff? Well, I mean, a career in music can be tough because there are not always um, very obvious opportunities, but I think that you just need to be creative and you need to think outside of the very traditional structures that exist. So if you want to work with kids or you want to work with adults or seniors and you're really passionate about making music with people who might not... Um, want to play in an orchestra, for example, then I think you just have to look for those opportunities. When you're a student, I think it's a great chance to take advantage of um, volunteer opportunities like us or other places where you can get your feet wet and learn some skills, whether that's teaching or facilitation skills, because once you graduate, you're going to be wanting to look for a job and you need to have experience in those areas. And it's a great chance as a student to get some mentorship in those things while you have lots of people around you who actually care about developing your skills and your abilities. And I think the other thing I would say is that it's really good to develop your skills outside of just playing your musical instrument. Mm -hmm. What kind of skills do you think they need? So administrative skills are huge. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are going to run any sort of program or be involved in um, anything like the music school or something else, you're going to need to write grants. You're going to need to be able to manage schedules and programming. Um, You might have volunteer management that you're going to have to do. So developing your people skills is really good. Um, funding is always going to be a big thing that you're looking for. So getting comfortable talking with corporate donors and donors in the community is going to be something you need to learn how to do. Um, so it's really important to build up the skills outside of just your musicianship to make sure that you can do the other things. Great. Great. Now you have your own kids. Has that affected your, your, uh, work with community music school? I think it's just made me more excited about it because I see, I mean, my daughter's 20 months right now and she just loves music and music just makes her light up. 
and she can barely sing and she like fills in a word in the odd song mm -hmm. and loves to bang her drum and shake her shakers and try to make her little spoons actually make noise. But she's like really dedicated and she just thinks it's the greatest thing. She goes, finds her bucket of instruments and tries to play the piano and tries to climb into the top of the piano to see how the strings work. Oh. And <laughs> um, I just think it's a really great place to come together with other people and to explore um, your own passions. Do you have any advice for the adults, for the families, or for the people who are, I don't know, do you have any grown-up advice for the people who are maybe thinking about putting their kids in music lessons? They have a choice. They can put them in Royal Conservatory-type lessons. Mm -hmm. They can throw them to um, a children's choir. The mm -hmm. children, there's a number of children. They can go to church choirs. Mm -hmm. So what kind of advice would you give those parents? Hmm. Hmm. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to know your child and to not have presupposed assumptions about what kind of music you want them to make. Right. So Not just classical, maybe, or just, you know, yeah. have, have to play the piano for 15 years or something. Well, and you might have a child that really thrives off of the competition and the discipline of an RCM type system. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that more than not, especially when they're younger, don't. And it's really important to foster a love of music in them. And when they get to the point in their music lessons where they want to quit because they're sick of practicing, because every child hits that point at some point, mm -hmm. um, if they actually love what they're playing or singing, then it gives them something to push through and encourage them. And, you know, they may be a very social child who really loves to be with other people and individual private lessons isn't the right place to put them because... They need that social interaction. Or they may be a really shy kid where that social interaction is really good for them. Mm -hmm. I think I think trying to find some sort of group musical expression is really important. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, very good. Mm. Well, thank you for this. And uh, gosh, I actually do have one more question. And it has to do with your own. Who lit a fire under you as a kid? Got you to mm. love music. Probably my dad, mm. who Apparently. also plays in a million community orchestras and um, bands and has been doing it since we were a little kid. And, you know, I was three years old and going to his concerts in the park in the summer. Oh, and wow. he used to play with us all the time. And we started off in some really good ECM ORF type programs, yeah. um, which I don't remember a ton about. But we had a lot of freedom to do our own thing in those classes. And... Um, my sister and I once decided we wanted to do like a version of Up on the Housetop at a Christmas concert and cool. she dressed up like Santa Claus and my teacher let us do that. And wow. it was hilarious and fun and the audience thought it was great and we had the best time oh. and no one told us that that was bad or the wrong way to make music. Oh, so great. And so I think it was experiences like that that really solidified like why music was worth it. And then we had some really good teachers along the way. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. So... Thank goodness for dad, eh? Oh, yeah. And for people not when you did your up on a rooftop singing. Yeah. yeah being like really good good people and not saying that was weird. Yeah. No yeah. one said it was weird and it was totally weird. Totally weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carolyn. This was a wonderful session. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. This has been an Authentic Voice podcast. Thank you.